Man, these pills are killing me. If I, uh, what if I like won the lottery tomorrow? I just like everything would be easy, right? You know, you you would think it might would be easy, but I don't think that's always the case. <laughs> no, I don't know what you mean. Like, if I won huge monies, I would just pay everything off. Like, wouldn't have a house payment. Um, I would get like a brand new car or two or three, and then I would just like drive around the country, going to every gaming convention and and, and outside the country because I would go to breakout every year too. Yeah, I mean, look, that's like everybody's like lotto fantasies, right? But like in reality, like lottery lottery winners don't always have great lives. Like they uh, have people who show up looking for money, corrupt financial advisors who embezzle everything, um, their own mismanagement of funds. Like a lot of them just wind up like bankrupt. I don't know why you think that I would end up like that. Whatever. But like, I mean... Really, when it comes right down to it, like, what are the chances that I'm going to win the lottery anyway? I I mean, (laughs) chances are pretty small, right? Right, right. But if you wanted to experience what it felt like winning Uh the lottery, uh, you could play Whirlwind Millionaire. (gasps) What's that? (gasps) I think, is this a commercial? Are we inside a commercial? We're inside. Look, I see the commercial walls around us right now. Oh, I... Our, our our seemingly innocent conversation has has turned into an ad of some sort. <laughs> what could it I be think, for, Phil? I think the only I think the only way we can get out is if, if is if we just if we go through. Yes, Are you this ready? A- this advertising door is says locked until ad complete. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so what is Whirlwind Millionaire? Well, it's a solo RPG that I wrote uh, about winning the lottery and the challenges that come after you do. Uh, And so in a nutshell, you start by figuring out uh, your well-being and how much money you've won. And then you play through three phases of your life after you've won. And and those are like different acts. And so in each act, you take a turn by drawing a card that has a challenge on it. You answer some questions about the challenge and then you roll some dice to see how it worked out. And depending on what you roll, uh, it could be a windfall where, you know, you could actually increase your wealth. Uh, or it could be an utter disaster and you could lose some of that precious money. Uh, you play through three acts, so nine challenges in all. And in the end, you find out if you prospered or if you were ruined. Yeah, so I don't know if that sounds like fun because of the ruined part, but it certainly sounds like a cool thing to play. So if I wanted to pick that up, where would I get it? Well, you can pick it up on drive through Cards or by going to the Encoded Designs website. Just look for Whirlwind Millionaire. For less than the cost of a handful of lottery tickets, you could find out how your life would turn out. And this game is awesome. Panda approved! Hey, Phil! Hey, Senda! You want to talk about character stakes? Yeah, sure. I'll take mine rare. And welcome to yet another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. 
And tonight's topic comes to us from Eric Gator, the Wear Gator on Twitter, who said, I think I finally came up with a show topic request that Pandas Talking Games hasn't already handled. How do you define slash evolve slash involve character stakes as part of a character's concept in a one shot versus a campaign? We think he might have been inspired by Zheng Hu Hustle. Yes. Legit. Good. So, um, which is also a good show. So stakes are actually something that they previously discussed on Misdirected Mark. And it was actually in episode 281, which is one of the ones that I have personally re-queued. So I know you can get to it. Um, and that one is all about setting stakes. So what that means is that Phil has already defined stakes. And since we are a green podcast network, we're going to recycle some notes. And Phil is going to give us a review on the definition of stakes. Yep. So, stakes are part of any resolution mechanic, a skill check, an attack roll, a saving throw, etc. And as the word uh, implies, stakes are the things that are at stake in the game. And we can quickly define stakes as A, something that is staked for gain or loss, B, the prize in a contest, or C, an interest or share in an undertaking or enterprise. What is usually at stake in the game is the desire of the player versus the desire of the GM slash game. Right. So in a lot of games, um, they don't necessarily put these out on the table. So they might be unspoken or implied. So for an attack roll, the stakes would be the attacker would be like, I want to push this sword in your face. Right. And the defender would be like, I do not want that sword pushed into my face. Right. So that's the stakes. And then in some games... The stakes are actually resolved after the roll. So we would roll and then we would see, do I push the sword in your face or do I not push the sword in your face? Yeah. So ultimately, stakes are a mechanic of deciding what the consequences are of a situation check or roll. Right. So in answering Eric's question, um, we're going to be talking about stakes of different sizes because you can have them on different scales, right? So you can have action stakes, which is something like, I'm going to try and stick my sword in your face. You can have scene stakes, which are the stakes for that particular scene. You can have session stakes, so that's the stakes for that particular session, the whole thing. Arc stakes, which are the stakes for that arc of a campaign. And then campaign stakes, which are the stakes for the entire campaign. So the other part about stakes is they can also be for individuals and for groups. So you, you might have them for an individual character as well as a group of characters, and you can have them at all levels, right? So you can have session stakes as well as campaign stakes as well as action stakes, etc. So the outcome of an action may determine the stakes for a scene, or the outcome of a session may determine the stakes for an arc, etc. Yeah. Going on. So that's what we're going to get into tonight. We're going to talk about how to use stakes in both one-shots and campaigns, what kinds to use, how to pace them, and how to get the most out of them. So, uh, Senda, let's fire it up first and talk about stakes for one-shots. Yeah. So in one-shots, as usual, we need to consider that we have very limited time for play. Because as always, time is your constraint in a one-shot, right? So our stakes need to be highly focused and they have to be achievable in the amount of time that you have to play. Whether that's a one-hour session or a four-hour session, right? So that means that there are some kinds of stakes that are better to use than others um, just because of those particular constraints that you're working with. With time being the main constraints, there's kind of two ways you can really go with it, right? Yeah. So the first one is group stakes, right? The whole group is invested in a single stake, which is what uh, you're driving towards for the session. 
Right. Um, or you can also have coordinated stakes, which means that the stakes are individual, so each player character has their own stakes, but they're all linked together or they drive towards a common purpose, right? Right, and this kind of this this kind, the coordinated kind of stakes, requires a little bit more work and really works best if you're going to make pre-gens for your one shot uh, because you can kind of layer them all in right like so so and so wants to travel to the south to find their you know long lost brother and so and so wants to travel to the south to find the bandit who uh, killed his lover and you know etc etc and they and everybody wants to travel south right like yes. all the stakes right like all the stakes are south yes right so um so in which case, like, you can do that, but it's really, like, a bit of planning, a bit of upfront planning, and like I said, works best if you're going to do that um, uh, with pregens. It can also be done with, like, a Bonds-like event, but really everybody's got to be, like, on the same page to pull that off. Like, if, if everybody's doing some sort of activity where they're connecting their characters together and are kind of on the same page to create that, they can do it organically, but my experience has been, if you want to do coordinated stakes, bake them into your pregens. Right. So that does mean that, you know, especially for something like a con game or something where you just want to sit down and kind of go, um, group stakes is probably going to be the easier idea to pull off successfully, right? And also, and this this should make sense too, right? Because we're only talking about a one shot. You are working with session stakes, right? Because you have to resolve them in the course of a single session because you're not going to have more sessions. It's a one shot. Uh, yeah, and and don't get clever. Um, I have seen this happen um, in the past. I've seen this happen at Gen Con where people are like, I'm running like a 10 episode campaign over the course of like the next 10 Gen Cons where like we're going to, you know, we're going to tell this whole story in 10 sessions. And, you know, the only meaningful stakes for it are you know, in the, you know, at the conclusion of the 10 sessions, Ugh. listen, only the people yeah. who are in session 10 get to enjoy that. Yeah. So um, unless you're doing like, if you're doing a long con where you're running like three interlocked sessions in a single, in a single convention, you can have stakes like that are an arc stake, but you still should have a session stake for each session. Like each session should come away with something meaningful that kind of build up to the conclusion in your arc. Right. So don't get too clever. Yeah, don't, don't go too crazy. Um, just acknowledge, you know, people are coming to play a game and there's no promise they'll be there again next year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or the next 10 years. Like that's pretty, that's a tall order. So the other thing you have to deal with with stakes is how you're going to pace them out, right? So in a one shot in particular, or especially, um, you want to establish them early, right? Because you need to have the purpose that you are driving to laid out clearly. Yeah, so if you can do that in the first scene, that's awesome. Um, but hell, um, if you can establish them in your event description, uh -huh. uh, like you're doing even better. And, I, and I'm a full proponent of that. Like I'm totally cool putting the stakes for my game right into the event description. This is what you're coming for. This is what we're doing. Yep, absolutely. And then you have then the whole session to drive towards those very clear stakes that you laid out because you said them up front. So you just start pushing in that direction and um, you eliminate a lot of the fluff that you get if you're like, 
if you have a bunch of players who are flopping around going, we don't quite know what we're supposed to do because we don't quite understand what the stakes are. Right. And you can you can have scene stakes like for different things in the course of the game. Well, yeah. But but ultimately everything's still building up for your session stakes. Yes, because that's the big that's the big decision point for that one shot, right? So how do you get the most out of your session stakes in a one shot? And the first thing, and I don't even think this is the first time we've said this, right, is to keep the stakes simple. So keep it simple, stupid. That's a really good thing to keep in mind with one shots in general, right? Like kiss. And I'm not D'Amato. So I do mean keep it simple, stupid, not kissing. So this is a one shot. And in all likelihood, you could be meeting some of these people or all of these people for the very first time, right? So you should have very obvious, as we said, and upfront, clear stakes about what you're going for so that they can get on board with your game and get going. Right. So stakes like um, we find the artifact or the portal to Carcosa opens. Yeah, that sounds um, bad. We discover the cure for this plague or the city is doomed. Hello, pandemic. Uh, we get more water to launch this initiative or it fails. <laughs> Poor blue babies. So you can make sure that every scene that you plan or that you're even improvising is pushing towards that goal, the stakes that you've laid out for the session slash scene, right? Both. And it gives you actually, in my experience as an improv GM, it makes it much easier to improv scenes because you know what everything's driving towards, right? And then when you get to the end of your session, you get to resolve those stakes and then everybody's happy and satisfied and goes away feeling good because you you dealt with all of the buildup and all of the stakes and resolved them all. And then you had a denouement, right? So uh, so let's actually slow things down a bit and check out how they do it over in campaigns. Time. <laughs> it's on, on my side. side. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> right? We know campaigns have more time to work with. Uh, and that gives us a lot more flexibility when it comes to stakes. And in reality, when it comes to stakes, it's really how much prep you want to do in your campaign and for each of your sessions. And the easiest way to think of it is that, like, in a campaign, we have, like, every, we have the option to use every one of the stakes that we listed at the top of the show, right? From scene all the way down to campaign, right? Like, we can use all of them and in a lot of different ways. But I want to focus the rest of the segment on arc and campaign stakes, since that's actually something you can't do in a one-shot. And a lot of the stuff that Senda talked about, even in a campaign, is great for a single session. But let's take a look at the two bigger ones, arcs and campaigns. Mm -hmm. So campaign stakes, like you said in the intro, are the things that the entire that are hanging over the entire campaign. Yeah, so that would be something like, are you going to end the Demon King's 100-year reign? Right? Like, right. that's a big stake. Yeah, it's a big stake. Way bigger than probably what the characters are going to be capable of at the start of that campaign. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then arc stakes are the things that hang in the balance for a completion of an arc. And if you go back to Arc of, Mis of the Misdirected, we count an arc as more than one session. But really, the sweet spot's like around four or five. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that would be like, will we be able to find and steal the plans for the wave cannon? Yeah, that sounds cool, right? So right. yeah, um, wave cannon, nice. <laughs> right. So let's talk about how we put them in, how we put both of these into use in a campaign. So when it comes to campaign stakes, if you're going to have any, then I like to be upfront with them, and mm -hmm. uh, much like I would do with the session stakes in a one shot, 
I'm going to name the campaign stakes right in session zero. Yeah, so that would be something like, this game is about fighting the Demon King and its reign over your homelands for the last hundred years. And then the stakes are, can you free your lands or will the Demon King continue his reign for another hundred years and the horror that obviously comes with that reign, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's it. Like, like what's this game about? It's this about is what that. this game's about, right? Yeah, Demon King. Right. And, and what's nice about this is that it gives the campaign uh, two things. So first of all, it's a clear idea, just like I said. What is this campaign about? Yeah. So this is um, the majority of stories should be driving specifically towards this goal that yep. we just defined. It also gives us an indication of when should this campaign be over? <laughs> yeah. When you know the answer to the question that you asked, a.k.a. can you free your lands? When you know the answer to that question, yes or no, that's the end of that campaign. Yeah. Now, that's not to say you can't have future campaigns, but once you've resolved your campaign stakes, it is okay to actually end your campaign. Um, Like, that's that's an okay thing. Sometimes people don't know what to do with that, but it is sometimes okay just to be like, you know what? Story told, mission accomplished. Let's go play something else. Okay. So... Going back to um, going back to stakes, when we look at the arc stakes, what I like to do is if I've already defined campaign stakes, then my arc stakes will be basically my campaign stakes broken out into goals. So what I mean, and, and I'll get into the, some examples in a moment, but uh, each goal that kind of builds up to resolving the campaign stakes is represented by an arc. And then the stakes are about if the characters can get a thing that they need to that they need or something they need to do to uh, complete that arc, which then leads to the campaign, right? Like the the campaign stakes. And so that sounds confusing. So let's break it down and do an example and bring back our demon king. Yep. And um, so I'll set it up. Like if I was planning this out and I was doing some campaign planning. So I would say, like, okay, we already know the stakes, right? Can you free your lands or will the Demon King continue his reign for another hundred years? Yeah. So I would say, okay, so in order to actually defeat the the Demon King, the heroes are going to need a bunch of stuff over the course of this campaign, right? So the first thing is they're going to need a stronghold from which to build their resistance, right? Because without some place to gather, be safe, and plan, um, you know. Can't go any further. They can't, they're not going to get organized. Yeah. So then they'll also probably need some allies, right? From, from other groups or other kingdoms, because there's probably not enough of them to do this by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll eventually need to learn the secret of what the demon king really is, because Ooh, you're never going to be able to defeat it until you really understand what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you have to have the plan that the demon king is hoping to enact so that you can thwart it, right? Uh, yeah, because we need to... So... We need to up the stakes at some point in the in the story, oh, yes. right? So that discovery, you know, um, now can make it far more terrible. Yes, indeed. Um, so then we uh, then they'll need to raise an army. Yep, obviously. And then once you have an army, you clearly have to go to war, and you have to win said war, right? Yeah. So those would be the arcs. That I would, so from those goals, I would build an arc out of each one of those goals. Yeah. Right. So, like, can the heroes find the lost city of Omkala and undo its curse? Because if they do that, then they will have a fantastic stronghold to base everything out of, right? Exactly. Can the heroes free the warlords of Stamaglin from the rule of the local demon lord? Mm -hmm. Right? That'll gain them allies. Yeah. 
Or um, can the heroes find the ancient texts now hidden in the walled city of Ceridome so that they can find the secret of what the Demon King actually is? Yeah. So each one of those stakes is an, is an arc. And then we can then break the arc into its component sessions that kind of lead up to the conclusion of that arc. And and really, when you think about the whole thing, it's like really fractal, right? Like, yeah. our, you know, we, we, keep, we just keep drilling down, down and down. But um, as long as we keep setting stakes for each one and letting them build back up, we will keep the story exciting and moving in a direction towards completion. Yeah. All right. So how do we get like the most out of all of this? So when it comes to campaign arcs, I like revealing them early on. Like that is that is my preference. And honestly, nowadays, I don't even like to campaign without a campaign stake because I really do want to know when I can end my campaign. At least, you know what I mean? Like I want to know when I can end. All right. So that's that's my preference. I mean, it is, you can definitely start a game without having campaign stakes and have them emerge through play. Like, it is perfectly acceptable. It depends on how um, kind of pointed you want to be with how the campaign works, right? Yeah, I mean, years ago, I had this happen in a D20 modern game. My famous heist campaign. I don't know if it's famous. Famous to me. Famous Uh, to yeah. Yeah, famous heist campaign. The characters were a crew of thieves, and um, there was no actual campaign stakes. They were just doing jobs, like doing jobs, making money kind of thing. And then they encountered this criminal mastermind, and they got into a conflict with the criminal mastermind. And then suddenly, it was like, either take this guy down, or he's going to take you down. And so suddenly, there were stakes. Yeah. And the game, that campaign stopped being about doing jobs. And the whole campaign shifted to taking down this NPC. And when they did, I ended the campaign. Yeah. Like, I did not go back to doing jobs. I was like, oh. We're done. Clearly, we've reached the end of this story. Yeah. So, as for arc stakes, I like to let players drive these. So, when I'm running games and I reach the end of one arc... Mm-hmm. I'll ask the characters what they want to do next. And sometimes I'll leave this wide open, right? Like I won't have anything else planned. I'll just be like, what do you guys think you guys want to do next? Yeah. And they'll, you know, come up with something. Um, or sometimes I give them a list of choices. So like, for instance, in that Demon King one, like I might, like I might've had that list out. Um, right. And then they could be like, oh, you know, we really should like figure out who the Demon King is. Rather than get allies. Right. Oh, okay, great. Well, like, we're going to go do that arc. Yeah, okay, done. So then that's what I would do. I would take, you know, I take their suggestion and that becomes the next arc of the game. Yeah. And that's a really nice approach because it also takes into account, like, what the players are interested in and gives them control of the direction of the campaign. I mean, I really like it when you kind of, uh, you know, are like, so what do you guys think you're going to do next? Like, what is your next step? What do you think are your next goals? And then, like, build it out from there because then it is very open. And that's what I like. So, yeah. yeah and um, eventually all campaigns reach an end, just like this segment did. Woohoo. <laughs> uh, but before we close the show, Senda, tell everybody about one of the other awesome shows in the Misdirected Mark Network. Sure. The Cypher Speak podcast is, is an engaging discussion that covers the evocative and inclusive settings of the Cypher system. Darcy and Troy are entertaining co-hosts to offer GM advice and ideas for use in your games. And they're pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, just in general. 
They well, they are pretty awesome in general. Uh, so, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or you can drop us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Well, you can send us topics just like Eric the Weregator did tonight. Yay. Um, we love getting topics from you. Uh, we love talking about the things that you love talking about. Um, it helps us immensely in keeping the show fresh and original. So please uh, send your topics and uh, we will put them to good use. Yep. And you can also send us your table selfies. So the next time you are sitting down to play a game at your table, A... If you want to tell us the stakes for that session, that's awesome. Tweet it at us. Facebook it at us. Whatever. Like, cool. Tell us what your stakes are. If they're awesome, we want to hear about it. You can also take a picture of yourself playing that game with those awesome people and hashtag it table selfie, and we will swing by and like it because we like to do that. And if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get things like our bonus outtakes, the after show, <laughs> um, other goodies like the print and play PDF of Whirlwind Millionaire, which is coming really soon, folks. Like soon. really, really soon. soon. Um, and uh, the pre-production show notes. We also like to shout out to our patrons from time to time and thank them for their patronage, uh, which is what we're going to do tonight. So, Senda, would you like to do the shout outs? Uh, yeah. So, Rob Abrazado, who is the gauntlet of the queen. Yes, he is. Thanks, Rob. Noah Van. Thanks, Thank you Noah. very much. And Dan Simons. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Senda, besides patroning the show, what else can you do that makes Panda smile? You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, Apple Podcasts is just the one that we happen to check. Any rating or review that you leave us actually does really help new people find the show. And it makes us really, really happy because it's like an extreme form of validation. And we are just podcasters calling in the night for your validation. Please leave us a review. Oof. That got, got real. really existential and deep. All <laughs> that of a got sudden. real. So we really appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. So Phil, uh, show me how you're going to select your next campaign stakes. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. There's two things. Firstly, we should record the ad. We, we will Secondly, record the ad. There's a thing that I have to tell you about Banicula, but I don't think it will make sense to anyone until I insert it when we are already talking about stakes. Right. So, um, really quick, are you feeling funny? Uh, uh, <laughs> the answer is no. Bloop. <laughs> I, you know, I'm thinking we need to have um, like Ditch Lily Trivia Tuesday or something where we where we ask people on Twitter to um, ask uh, trivia questions about the Ditch Lilies oh, that yeah. that we as the um, 
as the ultimate experts about right. I mean, the digital lilies. We are the ultimate experts on the uh-huh. digital lilies. That we could then answer, you know, during um during the pre-show. Hey, I have a I have a I have a uh But I am a super fan. Like I have been to all the shows. Like <laughs> I have a song. <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard about having a song? <laughs> because I couldn't remember the word song. So my chances of remembering the words to the song are like slim to none. Yeah, that doesn't sound like good odds for us tonight. <laughs> I have a thing, a thing, the thing with music, the thing, the thing with music, when you play notes together in a row, what is that called? Anyway. So I have a song. <laughs> I don't really? remember it right now. Hang on. I mean, you have the, you have the word song, <laughs> no, which you've just recently reassembled <laughs> from chunks of memory. Uh, okay. Hang on. Oh, did it save it? Yeah. Okay. 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 I'm going to just like play, play the song. Ear. Yeah. No, no. Shh. Why don't you just hold that up to the mic? I mean, I could. Should I just do it? It's, it'll <laughs> Apparently, Senda's already it'll sung be, the song. It'll be like misdirected mark when you guys don't have the, uh, right. the thing. When we don't have the <laughs> soundboard. Yeah. You ready? Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Play. The games today. There are just so damn many to play. Tried to tell you, but you looked at me like maybe I've a campaign underneath. I need a little bit of everything all rolled into one. I'm a bitch, I'm a player, I'm a GM, I'm a gamer, I'm a waveform, I'm a saint. I do not feel ashamed, I'm your panda, I'm your queen. I'm nothing in between, you know you wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, you totally were not going to get that a second time. Uh-uh. Now, oh, no, I mean, it. I spent a lot of time nailing it in the car. Yeah, no, no, that was really good. Like, <laughs> that was really good. I'm glad you actually just played that one because I think, <laughs> I I don't know if you could have reassembled that this at this right. time of night. No, you don't think so? I'm not 100% on that one. <laughs> I think I think the only edit I would have done is you could have taken out the word bitch and put lich. Oh, that right. would have been really good. <laughs> Okay, we can shill. This is literally for me. Can you want to shill yes. for me? Yes, I will shill for you. Shill for me, baby. Shill. <laughs> no. Phil, I'm going to shill for you, Phil, because you are my friend. Aww. I needed to put more Phil in that because shill and Phil rhyme, and therefore it's funny. Bloop. I can fix that. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. Delete, 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 delete. 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 Let us do the ad. Oh, let us do the ad. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Insert door. Unlock now. Yes. Uh, Unlock sound. In fact, earlier in the ad, put the door lock sound. shake your head and then you look your eyeballs all around and <laughs> I'm just gonna start now okay Good. did you say naughty or naughty 
Uh, naughty. N-O-D-D-Y. Thank you. I didn't want anyone to think I was doing the naughty thing, like, <laughs> no. on the, like waiting for the show to start. <laughs> what kind of show is this? Uh, I mean, it is on the Misdirected Mark Network, but it is not the after show, so... Your co-host is not Vig Master. Are you sure? I mean, right now he's not right Vig Master. <laughs> that's my that's my secret cap. Your secret alter ego. I'm Vig Master all the time. Bloop. Okay, we got to start the show because I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take us off topic before we actually start again because I'm like waiting to take us. <laughs> you're off topic ready. Again. You're ready to take us yeah, off. I'm topic. like chomping at the bit. Start the show so I can make more outtakes <laughs> so I can cry later when I edit this. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. Okay, Meow. ready? Ready? Meow. Okay, okay. So we read the <laughs> we didn't even get again. through the line. <laughs> we can't even do the music. All right, no, no, go ahead. No, 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 no. Please. Like, Okay, well, you want to do the music? Do, 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 Oh, boy. Okay, okay, okay. So we read through this earlier, and I assumed he was going to make a pun about vampires, and then he made a pun about, like, steaks that you eat. And so I was <coughs> like, have you ever read Banicula? When you made that into a rare steak, I immediately thought of this scene from Banicula. So Banicula is a story about uh, a vampire rabbit that sucks the juice out of vegetables and the two main characters are an old aging cat and a dog and they're all pets of the same family and so like the first night that they have Banicula in the house the cat like comes into the kitchen to find like all of these vegetables lying all over the floor of the kitchen that all the juice has been sucked out of and they're all punctured by two sharp pointy teeth and so he decides that they have to stake Banicula because he's clearly a vampire rabbit Right? And so <laughs> he's given me a look, you guys. He's like, a okay. real book? Yes, it's a series. A, um, it's a series? It's a series. Yeah, the second one's called The Celery Stalks at Midnight. <laughs> it's very good. Um, anyway, uh, and so they, uh, they get like an actual steak, like a meat steak out of the refrigerator and they lay it over the rabbit and they're trying to pound it into the rabbit. And, like, it's this scene from my childhood from reading these books that every time somebody, like, puts the image of a raw steak into my head, the thing that comes into my mind is this image of a dog and a cat trying to pound a raw steak lying over a small rabbit into the rabbit to kill the vampire rabbit. I I, I see. Bloop. You know what would help with that? <laughs> is if you actually have ever eaten a real steak. <laughs> Like, Why if you'd eaten a real health? steak, you'd have the memory of how delicious right, of the an real actual... steak. No, yes. I, I ate some of those fries that had this, the beefness on them. The beefness? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell do I do with this? I can't leave this word laying around. The beefness on them. I feel like that's something like if you don't wash up enough afterwards, like, like you head off to work, but you still have some of the beefness on you. Bloop. Just I'm crying. Oh. <sighs> Just going to breathe carefully. And I'm going to make sure I wash up so I don't have any of the beefness.
wasn't a huge fan of the beefness <laughs> on the fries. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I think what you were trying to say, so that people have some idea of what you might be talking about, was in Toronto, we went to this gastropub where they made french fries that were cooked in beef fat. And when you tried them, you could taste some amount of beef, uh, a.k.a. the beefness, on the fries. Oh, God. Yes, the beefness. I mean, going forward, we'll never use the word the beefness in that context ever again. There'll be much terrible, more terrible uses for it. Oh, God, I can't stop. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Okay. So, anyway, did you want to sing the song now? I do. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
shit, that word comes up like 50 or 60 more times in the notes. This is going to be really bad. I I already, I read, I know what you did here. What, what, did I do something? Yes, you definitely doctored the notes since the beginning of the show. I'm not sure what you're talking about. You're not sure, because the word the beefness didn't exist until we started recording. <laughs> you just didn't want us to finish the show, did you? I'm not, I, 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 I'm not sure what you're talking okay, okay, about. Okay, 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 okay. Well, now do it seriously. Okay. Just because somebody wrote the word the beefness just the, the, next somebody, to one of the... Somebody in Buddy or somebody. Somebody. somebody I don't know. Whatever. once wrote in the word the beefness. Oh, boy. <laughs> And thank you to the beefness <laughs> who made this show so much fun tonight. You know what that just sounded like? That sounded like, you know, in The Princess Bride when he's like, to the pain. Like, to the beefness. To the beefness. <laughs> yeah, I think I want to go with something like really pointed and sharp and show me what you got. Show I was like, you got. something like really beefy. Something that has a lot of beefness to it. Just show me what you got. Uh, uh. <laughs> Bloop. Ryan Bolter's like, I'm going to need a proper definition to avoid confusion. No, <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure that's why we just no. said the beefness. Yep, yep. No, we're just going to leave that. Like, you got to wait till Monday. Yeah, wait till Monday to find out about the beefness. <laughs> Bloop. Way to derail the show there, Senda. I know, but the fries taste like the beefness. <laughs> You <laughs> made it me burst out laughing. That is good. that is a pretty rare moment in uh I know. Panda's history. It's the second time ever. <laughs> that one you actually made me blow it in the middle of a line. That's actually <laughs> no, I think that's a first. <laughs> that might be a first. <laughs> that was bloop. Panda's talking steaks. Oh, I'd love to talk steaks. I couldn't talk steaks, so it would be pandas talking steaks, and then I would talk about, like, non-steak barbecue, and you would talk about, like, steaks. I mean... <laughs> or something. I mean, you can put chicken on a grill. It's good, it's but, I delicious. mean... It's delicious. It's not like putting a steak on a grill. I don't know. It's the steaks. So, oh. so much beefness I don't want to eat. Bloop. You want to say goodbye? Yeah. Bye. Bye. Beef. Beefness. <laughs> oh, God. I can't even. I'm just hitting stop. Okay, I'm just going to stop. Bye. Bye.